It's Alan Blackman. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, Catherine. What's the physics of that, by the way? Is it, is, it, is it possible in physics to go slower than the planet you're stuck on? Well, if, everything's relative, isn't it, as Einstein said. So, yes, technically you could if you travelled really, really, really fast. But well, we won't go there that's today. That's the point, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Good morning to you. Um, really interesting stuff happening in the field of uh, diabetes prevention, obviously, but also medicine. And, of course, the two types of diabetes, broadly the two types of diabetes, yeah. uh, that which you are pretty much born with or, or uh, genetically programmed for and yep. that which is more lifestyle-related. Mm. What's and the one that's getting an exciting new medicine, or is it both? Well, um, it's... Basically, the one where you require injections, okay? So I think that's, um, gosh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Tell me what you do know, and I'll, I'll keep my tricky questions to myself. There we go. There we go. So <clears throat> there's about 425 million people, apparently worldwide, who suffer from diabetes. And of those, um, about 75 million or so uh, inject insulin every day. And um, you can imagine that that would be, you know, not not wanting to make a pun or anything, but a real pain. And um, if somebody could come up with an alternative to that, it would be great. Now, um, why injections? Why not orally? Well, um, insulin, which is what you're taking is unfortunately unstable in the digestive system and in the stomach. So you've got stomach acids, you've got digestive enzymes, and uh, they sort of chew up the insulin before it can uh, do what it needs to do. So um, is there any way around this? And um, the, que- or the answer to that is, uh, thanks to some workers in Norway and Australia, the answer is possibly. <laughs> which um, is better than not at all and not as good as yes, definitely, but uh, work is underway and they've done fantastic stuff uh, here. They realise that, um, you know, obviously it's inconvenient having to use needles all the time and even with injecting um, insulin, you don't necessarily get it to the place that it's meant to be and it can accumulate in the muscles and body fat and that can actually lead to hypoglycemia, which is definitely not what you want, the, the actual low blood sugar thing. So um, their delivery method, what they're doing, they take the insulin molecule and they stick it to uh, a little nano carrier, and these nano carriers are made of silver sulfide. And these are called quantum dots. And so in other words, they are tiny, 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 tiny nanoscale little particles, essentially. And what these guys have figured out is that, right, so what we're going to do, we're going to take these little nanoparticles, we're going to attach insulin to the surface of these things, and then to protect the insulin so that you can take it orally and it can pass through the digestive tract in the um, stomach, they're going to cover it, or they have covered it, with a polymer that is a mixture of glucose and a thing called chitosan, which is derived from the skeletons of shellfish and stuff like that. And they've figured it out such that the the composition of the polymer allows the um, embedded, let's say, insulin to pass through all of those, the, your stomach, etc., and get to the liver. And here's the brilliant part. When it gets to the liver... Then, if your blood sugar is high, the liver secretes enzymes that will chew up the polymer, expose the insulin, and 
bam, it does its Wicked. job. Wicked. So it's, it's actually a controlled dose. Y- yes, yeah. That, and, that and depends on what's going on. Absolutely. And if and if your blood sugar is normal, then nothing happens. That you know, it just stays embedded around the liver or whatever until your blood sugar gets high, and then. Um, you get the specific reaction of the polymer, and that lets out the insulin. And you know, this is just seriously you know brilliant. It's stuff. brilliant, but also yeah. you're wondering if it's got potential to other applications in terms of the delivery of medicine. Oh no! Well, th- there's a heck of a lot of work going on in this sort of field where they're taking these nanoparticles and and using them as specific delivery systems because that's what drugs are all about. Um, you 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 want them to be in a particular part of the body. You want to be able to direct them to particular parts of the body. And, um, you know, if you can do that, then that's going to help a hell of a lot. Now, I said maybe this is going to be good. Unfortunately, they've only trialled it thus far on mice and rats and, funnily enough, baboons uh, in Australia. Um, So they're going to start human trials on this next year. And they are sort of saying that, you know, hopefully all going well. Maybe in two to three years' time, this might be a viable thing. So, you know, uh, people listening out there uh, who unfortunately have to inject every day, you know, maybe don't get your hopes up just yet. But, you know, this this is pretty darned exciting, I think. Pretty, Very good. And, and, and just incredible science. You know, people really thinking this through and just, yeah, yeah And if you want stuff. to read more, the research was published in Nature Nanotechnology. Absolutely it was, yes, yes. Bottom trawling. Oh, goodness, are we still talking about this 20 years after we started laughing about the name? And it's not funny. Um, And 20 years after legislation was first considered, actually, back in this country, from my memory. Where are we at now? Well, um, this this is quite unusual, actually, sort of a a little bit unexpected, I guess, from from my um, side of things. So we sort of think of uh, putting CO2 into the atmosphere. We know that that's not a good thing. We know that the major source of that is the burning of fossil fuels. We know that we're going to have to find an alternative to fossil fuels. Um, And what we don't think of maybe, excuse me, are sort of other potential ways in which CO2 can enter the atmosphere. And one of these, as you allude to, is in fact as a result of bottom trawling. So there's a bunch of workers in the USA and Australia, and they have shown that bottom trawling now is a significant contributor to uh, both atmospheric carbon dioxide and ocean acidification as well, neither of which are good things. So bottom trawling, as far as I understand, really sort of only occurs in relatively shallow parts of the ocean. So uh, you've got places like sort of the North Sea, sort of the Baltic Sea, the East China Sea, um, all around there. So uh, that's where bottom trawling is quite um, carried out, well, significantly carried out anyway. And what it involves essentially is just dragging a big heavy fishing net along the bottom and, you know, catching whatever you will. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not directed or anything like that. It's just a, a dreadful way of catching fish. But what is really, really bad is that it disturbs the sediment on the bottom of the ocean, okay? We don't want to do this. So what happens? So we've got a whole heap of things that are living in the ocean. And what happens when they die? Well, they obviously drop down to the floor of the ocean and they essentially remain there. And Or they, they decompose, but they decompose very, very slowly because there's not a heck of a lot of oxygen down there, okay, right on the bottom of the ocean. Now... 
Um, so if we leave that all undisturbed and everything, then they can sort of decompose anaerobically and we're not going to get a big CO2 contribution from them. But what these workers have shown is that the process of bottom trawling um, it disturbs the sediments on the bottom. And so what they reckon is that when those sediments are disturbed, then around about 60% of that can be converted to CO2 through oxidation processes. And then that, over a period of up to about nine years, can then get into the atmosphere. And so Bottom trawling, they use this analogy, they say that's sort of analogous to destroying forests. So forests act as a carbon sink. Um, and in the same way, the sea floor sort of acts as a carbon sink as well. And um, so what they are saying is that the amount, or their estimate anyway, is that the amount of CO2 released as a result of bottom trawling is at least equal to all of the emissions from aviation per year, hmm. which... You know, that's a hell of a lot. It's a couple of percentage points, I think, that is. Anyway. I don't know <laughs> why that's anywhere in my brain, but um, it's, it's probably less than you think it is, but it's a reasonable amount. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's that's quite aside from the other habitat kind of issues uh, as well. So, well, so, yeah. so now it's been published in, the, in Frontiers of Marine Science. The yes. question is now who pays attention? One would have thought the tens of thousands of people who... Um, seem to go off to um, various climate conferences might pay attention. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I mean, um, this is the sort of stuff that should be hopefully making headline news around the world. Mm. Um, I think the reason why it might not be is that it is, uh, it's essentially a model. So what they're doing is they've taken... Um, essentially data from, I think, about 1996, I think, to the present day, and they're sort of imposing a model and trying I to see. figure out what is going to be happening, um, you know, as a, as a result of their model, what's going to be happening in the future and everything. But, I mean, it, it just can't be good. It's, it's, you know, it's just the same thing as burning fossil fuels. It's, mm. a, it's a no-brainer. It's a common-sense thing. You know, maybe let's try and cut this down if we want to save the planet. Now, we've got a February 29th this year. Remind me why we have leap years. <laughs> Something to well, do with a nanosecond I, every few years. We need to catch up, is it? Absolutely. Well, I, I sort of figured that seeing it is as it is a leap year, and we've got about a minute left, uh, <laughs> as, as ever. You love it. Um, so um, a, a year contains 365 days. We all know that, except it doesn't. In order for the Earth to go around the sun, it actually takes 365 and a quarter days, so people might think. But even that's not correct. It takes 365.2422 days. Okay. So in other words, roughly um, one year and four, we're going to have to add an extra day to make up for the fact that the Earth's going around 365 and a quarter days. So four years, we're going to get a day behind where we're meant to be. Now, why do we need that? Why does that matter? Well, it doesn't necessarily unless you want to eventually end up having your summers in June. Okay, because that's what eventually will happen. So 